0: Well, i got an announcement to make. This will be my last last time here because the brother heard me singing tonight, and that's it. This is actually the first time I believe I've been up here with, with the pastor. I was up here with Josh. You notice Josh is not here tonight. He's heard me sing. And uh, so I'm not so much concerned about that right now. You know, I didn't know if I was going to make it tonight. Uh, uh, I, I'm actually thinking about joining another Sunday school class because, you know, Brother Gary this morning said we had one foot in the grave. I, to, to Something to that effect, I don't know. He, he said we were about finished. So uh, he really cheered me up this morning. But his point, his, amen, brother. His point was, of course, that that uh, we need to get busy for the Lord. And it makes no difference how old we are, how young we are. We need to get busy. I believe the Lord's coming soon. And so we we really need to get busy for the Lord and uh, start doing what He wants us to do, and that's to get out and tell others about Jesus. Well, you know, I didn't get up the other night to give a 30-second testimony. I don't, that bell's not up here. Does he have the bell with him? But, you know, I'm thankful tonight that the Lord saved me. I've been saved 47 years, and uh, all of those years I haven't really been faithful to the Lord. He's been, always been faithful to me, but I thank God that He saved me. And I realized one night as I knelt at that old altar and that in that Baptist church, and I gave my heart to the Lord, I realized at that point that my life had changed. And uh, from that point on, it's never been the same. And uh, God called me to preach, and uh, it didn't take me long. I, I didn't argue with him too much because uh, tonight you listen for the word obedience tonight, if you would, as we go through the message tonight. But God's my Savior tonight. Jesus shed his blood for me on the cross of Calvary. And I'm so grateful tonight for him that he first loved me. Amen. I'm thankful tonight for my wife. She stood behind beside me. I started to say behind me, beside me, whatever. She's she stayed with me. And uh, you know, she's long suffering toward me that I should not perish by her hand by her hand. And uh she's she's been good to me. She's been a, a great help and uh but she also says You know that repentance is involved there, and I've repented quite a bit down through the years. But I thank God for a faithful wife and a a good family, and I just thank the Lord for that. I'm also thankful tonight for this pastor who's sitting over here and his wife. I'm I'm thankful that, that God has placed us here. Somebody says, why are you in this church? Well, I'm here because God has placed us here. I believe that he has a place for everybody who names the name of the Lord. And that place is in a local Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church that stands upon the Word of God. And I thank God for you people, the ones who are faithful and, uh, and those who can't be here tonight for one reason or another. I know there's a lot of sickness, but I pray for each one. And I pray that each one of us will glorify God and uh, do what He would have us to do in this life for Him. Well tonight I'd like to talk to you and speak with you just for the next few minutes about bread for the soul. and you know, there, there, there's something that each one of us need to realize tonight that there is bread for the soul. In John chapter 6 and verse 35, Jesus said unto them, "I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger and he that believeth on me shall never thirst." And that's a promise coming for or from Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, as we think of this, we go back in John chapter 6 and, and we start understanding here that this is uh, where the feeding of the 5,000 took place. There was a lot of people there, 5,000 plus men, women, you know, boys and girls, whatever. I think there was actually more than 5,000 there. But as we think of that, these people were hungry and, and Christ... Uh, that miracle took place where he, he fed the multitude. And later on, we read how that they followed him. Some followed him for the physical food, but thank God, some of them followed him for the spiritual food that he offered as the bread of life. Now, the apostles, they were there, disciples were there, and uh, uh, they wanted to know about doing his will, doing what he wanted to do, but they were interested in What about eternal life? And they were always questioning him about this. He said, I am the bread of life. They said, who who is the one who came down from heaven as he had already told them? He said, I'm the one. I am the bread of life. I've come that you could have life and all of those who would believe on me. Now, Jesus Christ, when we think of this, we think of this time of year that he was born of a virgin. He was born, and this time of year, we always uh, we always celebrate this time of year, the birth of Christ. And as the pastor pointed out today, that this is not necessarily the time that he was born. But I always say this, that he came at the right time. Uh, we, we don't know, we may not know the exact date, and we don't, but he came at exactly the right time. And I'm so glad that he did. And we go back... In the book of Genesis, I would have you turn there with me. Don't worry, we're not going to preach. I may mention Revelation tonight, but we're not going to go through the entire Bible. I want you out of here in time tonight to hear It's a Good Life on WTYG. Uh, it's on about five minutes after eight, and you need to listen to that tonight. It's about the tribulation. Some people think they're in the tribulation now, but it's not like it's going to be. We have troubles, but it's not like that as we think back in the book of Genesis, the Bible says, in the beginning, God. book of John says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And there was not anything made that was, uh, anything that was made was made by Him. And then the Word, we read, was made flesh and dwelt among us in that same chapter of John. So we know that Jesus Christ as God, He was back there in the beginning. In fact, He's never had a beginning, has He? He's always been, but we know that he took upon that old flesh when he came into this world, but it was not sinful. He was one without sin. That's the reason you and I can be saved tonight on our way to heaven. But I noticed back there that he created all things, and after he had created, I believe he kind of stepped back. And he, if I could say this, he was admiring his creation. He not only said that it was good, he said it was very good. So that tells me that uh, some people say, well, he created the devil. He did not create the devil. Lucifer was the bright and shining one who, he, he was the cherub that covereth. He had an exalted position until iniquity was found within him. God, Jesus Christ, did not create the devil. Don't ever let anybody tell you that, because God cannot sin. Notice with me, if you would, that there were two trees in that garden. Along with those trees, there was more than two, but there was two that we need to be concerned with tonight. We read that there was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we read also that there was a man and woman in that garden. The Bible says that God planted a garden eastward in Eden. Well, in that garden, he placed man and woman. They were there. God said, You can eat of everything in this garden, except one thing. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, this tree would make it possible. Now remember, Adam was in a state of innocence. God said, Don't eat that of that tree. This tree would make it possible for man to know what is good and what is evil. He said, Don't eat of it. Well, we know what took place. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Well, Adam ate of it. And you know the tree of life was also there. Adam could have eaten of the tree of life and he would never have died. But yet we read on he chose to die physically and eat of the tree. Now he didn't die physically right then. The tree of knowledge of good and evil is what he ate of when he should have eaten of the tree of life. And what's worse I want you to notice that what's worse he would not only die physically one day But at that very moment, he died spiritually. It would not be the same. Now, he should have eaten of that tree of life. How do I know that he died spiritually that day? Because he hid from God. When there's something wrong in a person's life, they will hide from God. A Christian who has something wrong in his or her life, they will hide from God. They'll get away from God as far as they can, but God never leaves them. He's right there. And he helps that person to realize, hey, I want to have fellowship with you. Let me uh, put my arms around you. Adam, he hid from God. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, and they heard he and his wife heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Well, when Adam disobeyed God, he wasn't the only one who died spiritually. So did his wife. They both hid from God. And when Adam disobeyed God, he not only caused his wife to die spiritually... He caused death to pass upon all people who were born into this world. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men. Why? Because all have sinned. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Well, why did Adam die spiritually and then one day die physically? He, he ate of the wrong tree. He, he did the wrong thing. The right tree was the tree of life. A representation of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life. The Bible tells us that. Now, for those of us who have chosen the bread of life, I want you to listen carefully. For those of us who have chosen the bread of life, Jesus Christ, we have become his people. We are the people of God. God is not indifferent to the sorrows, sufferings, struggles, tribulation of his people. In the Bible, it tells us where there was bereavement, Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five. 35. Where there was sufferings, he healed. He went about healing those who were ill. In Matthew chapter nine and verse thirty five it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching what? The gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Where there was weariness in excess, where there was toil, he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's for every person who's listening to me tonight who will ever listen to what I'm saying tonight. There is peace with God. There is rest with God, but we must choose God in order to get that peace and rest. And the Christian must be willing not to have indifference towards the Lord. You say, you mean a Christian can be indifferent? A Christian can have what we call apathy. An apathetic, is that a word? An apathetic Christian a person who just kind of sits back and says, well, I'm going to let everybody else do what, you know, what they're supposed to be doing. I'm kind of exempt from this. Well, God is not lacking in resources either to meet the human need. Good. Psalm chapter 50 and verse 12, it says, if I were hungry, God's saying this, if I were hungry, I would not tell thee for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Haggai 2, eight says this, The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Psalm 50 and verse 10, on and on, the Bible goes and says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. Amen. As we think back of the verse I read in John chapter 6 and verse 35 about Jesus being the bread of life, he's not thinking specifically here. Now, he had just fed the 5,000. But he's not thinking primarily of bread for the body when he's speaking, but bread for the soul, bread for our souls. And God is calling his people to a higher ground tonight, and he spells out the alternatives that's there. Now, I'd like for you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55. Would you stand with me now as we read the Word of God? I want to make sure you're not going to sleep. We'll not read the entire chapter. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Salvation costs nothing for us, it's free. Wherefore, do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your, your, your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David." Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. God said, not only would the Jews be blessed, Israel, Not only would they and did they have the opportunity to know the bread of life, but he said everybody was going to have the same opportunity. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight. and I pray now as we go through the rest of this lesson tonight, this message, may you speak to our hearts. Father, you know that within me the Holy Spirit dwells. And I ask the Holy Spirit tonight to give me the strength, give me the words, and may they be your words as it goes forth tonight. May you bless the word, and I know it will not return void. And I pray tonight that you would help us to gain a, uh, just a little better knowledge, Lord, of the bread of life. Feed us tonight upon that heavenly manna that you've promised to give us. Now, Father, I commit the rest of this time and my time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, I want you to notice something tonight that that there is a hunger that comes through disobedience. In disobedience, now the the pastor spoke a moment a moment ago. I think he was looking at my Bible, but he was speaking about money. Okay, he, he mentioned money. I don't know if many Bible believing Bible preaching preachers that do, do, that they do not mention money occasionally. Well, in disobedience, money is unavailing in disobedience. Isaiah 55, once again, in verse 2 says, Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? And if I could put it like this, Wherefore do ye spend money for that which satisfieth not? People are constantly spending money. We, we, uh, as we were going home today, we passed uh, several stores, and uh, do you know they were packed? They were just, I mean, I've never seen it like that, I don't believe. Maybe I didn't have my eyes on them before. But as you look, there were cars everywhere. What are they doing? People are spending money. They're out spending money for those things. Now, I'm not saying that people are doing wrongs as such. But how much could money have been used to further the word of God, to further the gospel going out and helping other people? Well, Money is admittedly a power not to be despised. It enables the faithful steward to evangelize to the ends of the earth. You're familiar with this ver- these verses, I'm sure. Matthew 28:19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Amen. That's another promise of God. He says, you go out, and I'm going to be with you. You don't worry about what's going to happen to you. You just go out, and you tell other people about Jesus Christ. And let me say that that takes money for a missionary to go on the mission field. That takes money for a church to operate. Money is something that should not be despised. Now, the Bible teaches that the love of money is the root of all evil, not money. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Now, notice this. Money nourishes Christian ministries which would cease to function without it. I think of WTYG up here. It takes money to operate a radio station. I think of OCA. It takes money to operate a Christian school. I think of the uh, ministries around this church, even the the music ministry, everything connected with this church. It takes money to see to it that the word of God gets out. You say, well, isn't it wrong to pay taxes and all this? Well, the Bible says, and Jesus taught this, you render under Caesar that which is Caesar's. Now, when it it comes to, uh, you know, you're to obey the law, when it comes to something that uh, is uh, something that says that we're wrong, that God is wrong, then we have to really pray about that and say, hey, uh, no, the government is wrong in certain areas. So therefore, we must take a stand. I'm not telling you to be an anarchist. I'm telling you to stand on the word of God. Now, Christian ministries would cease to function without money. Let me share something with you just for a few moments. Let me go back. You know, old people have... Pardon me. Old people... (laughs) Elderly people have a tendency to think back. So I'm elderly, and I can think back a little bit, and I want to share with you some things that I've thought back on. I was in a a local church. Uh, God had founded that local church, and he, he called me to work in that local church as the founding pastor. And we moved from one building. We had shared one building with... How many of you remember, remember Electrolux Vacuum? I'm not given I'm not given any kind of a you know plug for Electrolux. I guess it's still around, I don't know. But we shared a little building with Electrolux. They were on one side and we were on another. And uh, we were there for a while and, and finally we uh, moved into a uh, another building. We we moved up, we moved into a bar. And it, it had been a bar and uh, we moved in there, and we removed the bars from the windows, we cleaned the floors, we uh, disinfected as much as we could, and uh, we said, bless God, we've got a church building that we're going to be able to serve God in. Well, one Saturday night, I was seated at my second hand, twice second hand, I guess it was, one of these old metal green desks that had come from one of these, what, what, the Army, Navy store or something, I was seated there, and I started thinking around. I looked and I said, Well, these walls are really drab and they don't look too good. I was sitting in a little ten by ten, I call it a cubicle now. I was sitting there in my office and I was looking around and I saw these walls, they didn't look too good. They had some cracks in it. And I said, What is going on here? And I looked around and I was I was really grumbling to God. And all of a sudden, God got a hold of my heart. And and I saw that I was in disobedience to God. I was out of the will of God. And you know, I prayed and, and all of a sudden, I opened my eyes after praying and I looked around, that wall looked a lot better. I said, thank you, God, for that wall. Thank you for the paint on that wall. Thank you for the cracks in the walls. God, you've given us that so we can learn how to fix those cracks. You, you've given us these things and, and you're helping us to learn. And about that time, I looked up in, a, in the corner of that old room I was in. I saw a spider up there. I said, bless God, there's a spider. Now you say, well, he must have been losing it. Well, I looked at that little spider, and he was up there building away. Then his web was beautiful. He was building, he didn't have a hammer, he didn't, he didn't have a tape measure, but he was building for God, and he was making a perfect web. And I said, thank you, God, for that spider. Thank you, Lord. Well, I prayed, and I had a Baptist fit that night, and and the next day, I got up and preached, and uh, thank God that one of my relatives came forward, got saved that day, and, and uh, some others got saved, and we were uh, standing around after that, and, and we were rejoicing in the Lord. And a man walked up to me, he and his wife had been charter members of our ch- little church there, and his wife had gotten killed in a car accident about oh, a few months before then. He walked up and he said, i got to talk with you. Well, I didn't know if he was going to leave the church or what was going to take place. But I went back, and and we talked, and he said, uh, my wife, she loved this church. She loved the people. And uh, he handed me a check. He said, she would want you to have this for the church. He handed me the check. And he knew we were in the process of trying to buy some land. He handed me that check for $18,000 that day. Now, you you say, well, that's not a lot of money. Well, it is now to me as well, but back then, it was a fortune. He handed that check to me, and you say, well, bless God, praying to God, did the job. No, no. Don't miss the point. We got that property in a few days, and I had invited this man who had given me the check. I invited him to come up To see the property before anything was built on it and to bring his friend, a gentleman friend. I had witnessed to this man, the gentleman friend, and he had not gotten saved. Well, he brought him up there and I was showing them, we're going to build over here, we're going to do this over here. And I looked this other man in the face and I said, sir, if you died right now, would you go to heaven? Now, I'd already talked to him before and I knew he wasn't saved. He said, no, I wouldn't. He said, I don't know. And you know, I, I got to share with him the most beautiful love story ever told about how the Savior came and died for Him personally. And He was gloriously saved on that mountain where there was nothing built yet, an old stump we knelt by. We prayed and He got saved. That's the glory. That's the... It it wasn't the prayer. It was God working and seeing to it that if only one soul got saved on that mountaintop, it was worth every dime that we spent for that property. Don't tell me that God can't use money. God uses money, and if we let him, it brings honor and glory to him. Well, money cannot buy things that, you know, that uh, sometimes that we think is necessary, but money can buy physical comforts, but not bread for the soul. And I'm thinking of the rich fool tonight in Luke chapter 12 and verse 20. He says, what am I going to do? I'm so, I'll paraphrase here. He said, you know... Uh, I've got so much. What am I going to do? He said, I know. I'm going to build bigger. I'm going to tear down the old barns, and I'm going to build bigger barns. But God said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And many a sad, poor fool has come to a sad ending, loving money, never realizing the bread of life is free. In disobedience, not only using money in the wrong way or not using it at all for the Lord's work, but in disobedience, labor is fruitless, according to Isaiah 52:55 and verse 2. Wherefore, do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? So again, Haggai, verse uh, 6 of chapter 1 says, Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it in a bag with holes. In other words, a person, uh, unless he has his mind set upon God, when, when we get our eyes off the Lord, we work our fingers to the bone, and it's worthless. The Bible goes on to say in Psalm 127, verse 1, Except the Lord build the house... They labor in vain that build it, except the Lord keep the city. The watchman worketh, or watcheth, but in vain. And i got news for you. The watchman's not supposed to be asleep anyway. When who, who are the watchmen? We're the watchmen. Amen. We are to be on the wall. We are to be watching, warning, and telling people about the soon-coming Savior who's coming back for the church. Amen. Well, there is hunger that comes through disobedience, but... There's also satisfaction that comes through obedience. It's not necessary to remain unfed tonight. In Isaiah chapter 55, once again in verse 3, it says, Incline your ear and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. Isaiah 55, 2 says, Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Maybe underfed undernourished. You've tried every unsatisfying substitute and you're still uneasy. And I call this moving around like an accident going somewhere to happen. You just don't know where to turn to sometimes. Well, you need to turn to the Lord. Let the Lord lead you. Do not depend only on this preacher to feed you or any other preacher. Now, it's good. He feeds us. We get fed from the Word of God. But Don't depend entirely upon a preacher standing up here to feed your soul. It's important. Or do not say you have listened diligently to God when it is possible for you to be in the house of the Lord every time the doors are open and you're not here. As we were coming to church tonight, we were wondering, I wonder how many people will be here on Christmas? How many people will be here Christmas night? In this building, people who named the name of the Lord, you need to be here every time the doors are open. You need to be faithful. Do not depend on your TV or social media device to feed you. And I challenge you tonight to have your tablet or TV hold your hand when you're sick and you want that thing to pray for you, that TV or social tablet, whatever you want to call it, To have that thing pray for you, the next time you get sick, go to the hospital or lose a loved one. It doesn't happen that way. You need to be here. You need to have a pastor who's willing to do the things of God and visit the sick and help the sick, pray for the sick. You need to join yourself with God's people for strength and encouragement. Get in the house of God on a regular basis. Read the Word of God on a regular basis. Study the Word of God on a regular basis. The King James Bible. And I would say to you tonight, stay away from the perversions. Most of these perversions, if not all, have been written by or declared to be the Word of God by an ungodly person who would rather have you read from the Queen James other than the King James. Now, you can call it what you want. I call it a perversion. NIV, ESV, MUD, DUD. They're all duds to me because one way or another, they leave out the virgin birth, the blood of Christ, and how to go to heaven. Don't fall for those people who are making money on so-called Word of God. It's the King James Bible, folks. That is the Word of God. C.H. Purgin said this. Religious deceivers are the worst of vermin, and I fear they are as plentiful as rats in an old wheat stack. Go back to the book of Revelation, the last chapter, and you'll read if anybody adds to the word of God, the plagues will be added. You keep reading, and it says if you take away, the, word the, the, uh, the person's name will be taken out of the book of life. And these people who are changing the word of God... They are walking on dangerous ground. You need to stick with the book, the author of the book, God. Well, I'm almost finished. Almost. Now, I want you to know tonight it's not necessary to remain unforgiven for sin. The saved and unsaved alike. Isaiah 55, if you would turn there once again, verses 6 and 7. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And then I'm reminded of those verses back in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, where it says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. The heaviest load of all is that of unconfessed, unremoved, unforgiven sin. And please know this. It's not necessary to remain uncomforted. Once again, Isaiah 55 verse 12. For ye shall go out with joy. Get things right with God and you'll go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. There are sad faces tonight on the mission field. Skid Row. The highest levels of society, even in churches tonight. And those sad faces reflect godlessness and hopelessness. We don't have to be hopeless tonight. We can put our complete trust in the Lord. If you're unsaved tonight, you can put your trust in the Lord. He'll never let you down. Now, I didn't say it's going to be a bed of roses. But He will never let you down. And one day, prayerfully and hopefully and... You get saved. I know he would. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. First Peter five and verse seven: casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Amen. Isaiah sixty and verse one: arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. And finally, all around us tonight are the evidences of God's love, which only the obedient. Can see. Are you obedient to God tonight? John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, i say unto you, These speakings of Nicodemus, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You're first, you're, you're first obedient to God by coming to him, by receiving him as your Lord and your Savior. John seven seventeen. If any man will do his will, he shall know. Know what? The love of God. And notice with me, once again, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah was in the temple. He saw the Lord. When he saw the Lord, he saw himself as an unclean person. He saw his... Could I say worthlessness at that point? But the angel laid the coal in his mouth. And he received cleansing. Isaiah was never the same. He heard the call of God and he surrendered. Are you surrendered to God tonight? As a person who's never trusted him, you need to surrender. As a person who has trusted him, you need to surrender. You need to listen to the voice of God tonight. Do not expect to receive the blessings of God and remain disobedient to the bread of life. A.W. Tozer said this. We keep talking about revival, don't we? A.W. Tozer said to desire revival and at the same time to neglect personal prayer and devotion is to wish one way and walk another. Are you walking with God tonight? Oh, yes, I've got one other thing I want to tell you. You remember Adam. Adam sinned. He ate of the wrong tree. He got things right with God. And guess what? Had he not gotten things right with God, you and I would be lost forever. You say, what do you mean? Well, you see, the lineage of Christ came from Adam. Adam got saved. I know he did, because unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. We often blame old Adam for plunging us into sin, for plunging us into a position of uh, not going to heaven, you know, for having sin in our lives. But i got news for you tonight. We need to thank him for getting saved. We need to thank him because... He actually made it possible for you and I tonight to know the bread of life. Do you know him tonight? And if you do, are you serving him? Let's pray.